All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back rankings. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic back him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruning, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. <laughs> it's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that's a college dropout. That means it's time for the debate debate brought to you by CampusToCan.com. Matt Bruning is all out, but Austin Nace and Crix Moxley are here with me, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a genius version of tonight's show, we review new coaching grades the player Austin fell in love with when preparing the supplemental draft, and we revisit storylines from the 2021 spring college football season but we start with two daniels a pair uh in the transfer portal both Jaden daniels and jt daniels both have been highly regarded at times in their career Jaden daniels obviously starting out uh in 2019 as a freshman for arizona state completing 60 percent of his passes 17 touchdowns two interceptions adding uh yardage on the ground jt daniels the five star freshman from modern day uh starting as a true freshman for usc going uh 26 uh, 2600 yards for 14 touchdowns 10 interceptions both now in the transfer portal uh chris moxley who would you bet on out of these two daniels so when when you had this question on the show sheet i was prompted to go to our metrics tools because y'all know i'm a i'm an analytics guy and uh, so I, I pulled up side-by-side comparison of QBR and EPA. And JT Daniels qualifies for the QBR statistic, which is 25 plays per game that you're in for only once, which I think is an indictment of the help that he's had since entering school after his freshman year. I'm not sure what JT Daniels has shown that A, he can stay healthy, B, be a competent quarterback, at any point, Jaden Daniels, on the other hand, has actually had a good season in 20, I guess, 2020, which was, uh, you know, their shortened COVID season. He performed well. He had a QBR above average, but, you know, I am, I don't, I, I didn't want to say neither because I know that's a cop out, but I'm going to go with Jaden Daniels and I don't even like Jaden Daniels because that dude is a string bean. Yeah, I mean, he has outs. He has the rushing ability. I mean, early on in his career, people were comparing him to Vince Young as a strider. Um, and I, I mean, it, it's I mean, the spring season is about to start here. It's almost March, and both of these players have not picked a uh, a team. Austin, I mean, you know, we're looking for the next Kenny Pickett, the next Zach Wilson, the guy to come out of nowhere. Could it be one of these two Daniels boys? 
Yeah, I would say Jaden is probably thinner than Felix's mustache here, uh, to stay on, on point with, <laughs> with what we've got going on in the comments here tonight. <laughs> Set the stage, Felix. Felix has facial hair. They were setting the stage. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't like either of them at all. JT Daniels is the guy from SpongeBob that is like every night, like or like I or every morning I like broke all my bones or whatever, and then every night, like as I cried myself to sleep, he's like made out of tissue paper. That's JT Daniels. He can't stay healthy. He had an oblique injury last year, and this oblique injury kept him out for like nine weeks. Like that should never happen. Um, so I, I'm not a big JT Daniels guy. Jaden scares me a little bit. And I, I was really high on him after his freshman year. You know, we rank these guys as freshmen and we're kind of saying, you know, your baseline is here. We think based on what you've shown, you can improve X amount and get a first, you know, first, second round draft grade or whatever. And I thought that was certainly what the pace that he was on, uh, for after his freshman year, really disappointed the last couple of years. And now, this new stuff comes out. I guess Colin was saying he listened to the Cover 3 podcast this morning, uh, and they were saying that Jaden Daniels' mom is basically a helicopter parent to the extreme. Like, she had a key to the building that none of his teammates liked him. That, you know, like, as a quarterback, I don't think you can allow that kind of persona to build around you. Like, that, I'm just out on a, a guy who's letting his mama come to the building and run the show and, and do all these things. So I'm just out on both of them. Like, I haven't made the adjustment yet. I just got home, but Jaden Daniels is probably going to drop 20 spots in my rankings, like just based on these stories. Like there's no way this dude's ever going to be an NFL quarterback like this. Jaden Daniels' mom is an Apache helicopter parent. Like we're not talking like a regular civilian helicopter. We're talking like a high grade U S military helicopter. She puts Lamar ball to shame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The story they told us cover three today puts him in a very different light. Yeah. And very disliked among his teammates. And that is the red flag. Well, I think we knew that he was disliked after that video came out when he yeah. said he was entering the portal of them looting his locker. And you could visibly hear them saying in the background, hey, this guy sucked anyway. Like, not again, quarterback. This isn't like the outside linebackers. Like, the quarterback should be like, you know, the leader, the most liked guy, like a guy you rally around. Like, that is really, really bad if they're saying that about the quarterback. Yeah. Well, there, there's not going to be a power five team this deep into the semester that needs a quarterback. I got to believe that he's going to go um, G5 somewhere and he should be a value in like campus to Canton startup drafts, or you should be able to trade for him for nothing. But because he's a name, it's he's not going to be the value that he should be. He's not nope. going to be the value that he should be. Uh, and he could actually have some C2C value given his rushing upside. So, I, I think right. he goes um, to Cal for the record. Like, I, I think Cal is basically etched in stone. As long as he qualifies there, I think that's where he goes. That's yeah. gross. He's he's a California kid, and they don't have anybody currently to replace Garbers, like, effectively. And Garbers is such an effective runner that I think that's a big win for their offense. So Say, I, I'm, yeah. I'm here for that as well. I've heard TCU – Um. That I don't know feel, if TCU makes a lot of sense. That one feels like college fans like gassing up a guy to a spot that makes a lot of sense, yeah. but probably won't happen. Cal Chase Garbers was a top 15 fantasy quarterback last year. Yeah. Like he produced there. So that's not, it's not a, uh, you know, Oregon state or you know, it, it's an offense that I think he can do some damage in whether, you know, he he's also top 15 or not. I, I don't know, but I mean, Cal's a decent spot for him. I know that that Austin is no longer advocating for the zero QB draft strategy, but look at the state of the quarterback position in the last couple of years. Think about last year, Spencer Rattler, DJ Uyunglele. They might've been the number one and number two picks in campus to Canton startups had Debbie value. Uh, Think about about where Jaden Daniels was. Jaden Daniels might've been a what third, fourth round pick last year. Uh, People were still valuing that high, even after, um, that COVID shortened season. So, I yeah, that didn't make sense though at the time. Like, this is he's a great example of groupthink getting way ahead of a player's realistic NFL outcome. Like, this dude was 190 and then couldn't put on weight, couldn't put on weight. There was rumors he was up to 200 and then he weighed in at 190. Like, there were so many red flags with his profile. Like, he's not getting to the NFL at 190. He's probably not getting the NFL 200. Like, he's a tall dude. Like, he he's very skinny. And I feel like we ignored that for a long time 
Um, and I just think that's like one of the things we need to go and take back in Campus Kenton drafts as a process adjustment on when we see negative news about a player, we probably need to adjust a little bit more off of our stance. And he's a really good example of, of, of that, just ignoring information that's coming out. So I think it's convenient now to say, you know, he was tiny. He had this issue. He had that issue. Apparently his, his mom's an issue. But, you know, just pulling up real quick. I just went to campuscant.com, this website that I found on the Internet. I don't know. Um, I went to their player metrics tools. They have this really cool thing where you can go in and you can map a, a player's, you know, college career based on a regression line. You know, on QBR, Jaden Daniels finished just below the, the, the line as a freshman and then crushed that line as a sophomore. And again, it was a COVID-shortened season. They played an abbreviated schedule. You can make whatever excuses. But I would expect if you're making excuses, the guy to have finished way below the line and you're trying to say this is why he should have been better. Like, he, he has performed – went on the field decently well. I just think it's tough. And this is a cautionary tale, but I think it's tough to say, you know, this freshman is underweight. He will never gain weight. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing to bridge. Just because he couldn't for whatever reason, doesn't mean that a lot of these guys can't. So I think it's convenient now to say, you know, he had all these issues in hindsight, but like, so did Keaton Slovis. Like everyone loved Keaton Slovis after his freshman year. Like there, there's the the road to NFL stardom is littered with guys that we were very hopeful for at one point or another, and then one or two things kind of derailed them. Yeah, he's been he's been a very good college quarterback. Uh, Twenty two to three inter- touchdown interception ratio between his first two years at Arizona State. I mean, he was a true freshman performing in the in a Power Five con. Uh, in a power five conference, that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, and he still has what two, two, uh, one year or two years. If he wants two years, based on, yeah, based on, yeah, based on, uh, on the yeah. COVID season. So, I mean, he can still be a player that bounces back, which is again, if, if this was, if you wanted to get him now would be the time, but I, I don't sure. know that his value is going to be there. It, it won't be. Um, he'll still go too high. He's been going too high in drafts as is. So, I mean, it's just, we just didn't, we're not adjusting, adjusting enough for all the negative news that we've seen. How quick, well, how, Austin, how quickly will you kick off these guys, Chris or Felix? I know Felix, you are a hanger the players on that I like, if the, you can. The, the players that I like, Which I would. Is, there's nothing wrong with that. Chris, like Chris, in, in your opinion, how quickly should you be kicking off some of these guys? So a guy like Jaden Daniels, I was in on after his freshman season and then at the end of the second season and the news from the spring and the summer was very negative about weight gain, right? Like they said he could get to 200, didn't get to 200, weighed in, um, definitely undersized. And that was always the concern with me, for me with him. And so like I was, at, at the, as soon as he started wet coming in under 200, I was off. And like, that's the point where I'm going to write off a guy. Like I will not, I am not a person who hangs on to players. I, I am very quick to move on. And he was a guy as soon as that news about his weight and not being able to gain weight, which was the big question came out. I was like, all right, see ya. Like I, I was the lowest on him in our rankings for a good chunk of time last spring. As soon as that news came out, because like when you're not able to do it after two years, you're probably not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's just not his, to be honest with you, his weight is not something that was in my calculus um, as far as, what I thought he could be. I mean, we we've seen all sides of, of we've seen all sizes of quarterbacks now in the last couple of years. And in, at wide receiver, we've seen, you know, lighter guys go. I mean, Xavier worthy is what 160 pounds. I don't think that that's going to prevent him from going in the first round. Just not a factor for me uh, as far as Jaden Daniels. I wanted to see him be more explosive. Um, and maybe we'll get to see him do that at another school. Austin, one of the schools that you uh, mentioned him potentially going to was TCU where Sonny Dykes is now head coach, Sonny Dykes uh, coming over from SMU. Um, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic ranked, or excuse me, graded the head coaching hires, including Sonny Dykes, um, gave A's to, and I want to get Austin, maybe I'll start with you, see if your, your, your thoughts on these, gave A's to Lincoln Riley at USC, Mario Cristobal at Miami. As, as far as hires, Billy Napier at Florida, 
and Brian Kelly at LSU. I don't think I have a problem with crystal ball at Miami. I mean, it's a match. That's where he's from and he's been a good recruiter. I don't like the fact that he's a defensive head coach. You know, you have to love Riley wherever he goes, but what do you feel? How do you feel about Napier and Kelly? So Napier, I've been openly, I don't want to say negative, but you know, I, I think he's a wait and see kind of guy, but I, I will say, I think an A is too much at this point in time. I think there's just very much a, yeah. a wait and see there. And I'm like, so first off, I I don't think it's possible to really figure out coaching hires at the time that they happen, whether they're good or not. Like they're, the track record of the media trying to guess what's a good hire and what's not at the time is, is you know, checkered at best. Um, so I, I, I'm giving Napier, you know, okay, we'll see what, what happens there. I just don't think he's a very good coach. I don't think well Napier Napier has familiarity with the region. He was at UL, and you would think that that would play to his advantage. I mean, my question is 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 fit with Kelly, and you know, there's no system or method associated with Brian Kelly. It's just that he's going to be a CEO, and I wonder if that's going to work in a Southern school the way it has worked at all. I mean, he's only coached in the Midwest. Is that is is Brian Kelly just being the leader guy? Is that going to work at LSU where culture is important? If your criteria for you know wanting you know if you're an LSU fan and and you're wondering you know what can we get in head coach? If your criteria was let's go get the biggest name we can possibly get, then I think Brian Kelly is an A hire. You know I don't think you were going to go out and get reasonably anybody else that's a bigger name you know riley went you know where he was going like all these names came off the board brian kelly wasn't even really thought of as a candidate so i think you know from that perspective you if you're saying they're just give me the biggest name then i think he's a that's a good hire and you should be excited about it where i think it like if your goal is to win a national championship and to be consistently a national championship contender that's where i think brian kelly is not going to get you there i think he's an okay recruiter I think he's an okay coach. I think he's an okay manager. The fact that he couldn't recruit any coaches that he used to coach with there to help him out, I think speaks volumes. So I like I'm shocked that he gave this an A because it would not shock me if yeah. Brian Kelly doesn't last more than two years there. Like I, I think this has the potential to be a absolute disaster. And, and LSU well, is just I, like a smoldering heap after he's gone. I can't wait to see what their spring season looks like. Chris Moxley, some of the coaches, the hirings that uh, that Mandel gave bees to, Marcus Freeman, one of those coaches that Brian Kelly couldn't recruit with him to LSU, uh, Texas or Duke head coach from Texas A&M, Mike Elko, uh, Baylor assistant head coach Joey McGuire, who's at Texas Tech, Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, Dan Lanning, now the head coach at Oregon. Um, Sonny Dykes, who was at TCU, or excuse me, at SMU now at TCU that we already mentioned, and one that Austin has um, really highlighted this offseason is Kalen DeBoer going from Fresno State to Washington. Is there one that you like? I mean, I, I think the most obvious answer is, is it's got to be Sonny Dykes at TCU. After that, after that, it's got to be Joey McGuire at Texas Tech, not because of Joey McGuire, but because of the offensive coordinator he brought in there. You know, it's funny that you say those two because the first name that I was attracted to was neither of those. It was actually Mike Elka going to Duke. And that's like a weird, like a weird dynamic, right? Yeah. Like it's being excited about a Duke head coach, but he came in late in the process and retained a top 55 class at Duke. And then he's a really accomplished head coach. I actually thought he was going to get a much better job than the one they got at Duke, but he's like a really academic guy and he really value values um, like academics in the sport of football. So taking a job like Duke isn't necessarily surprising for Elko, but that's a huge win for the blue devils program. Like I would give that hire an A for Duke. Like I would give that hire. I think that's the best single hire when adjusted for quality of school um across the spectrum this year because i think mike elko was a home run hire to replace cutcliffe who i thought i was a fan of cutcliffe his time kind of came to an end at duke like it, it is what it is 
I like Mike Elko, and I actually really like Mike Elko and the decisions that he's made um, while at Duke so far. Like he's brought in the um, the offense coordinator Kevin Johns, who was at Marshall, and he ran a really great offense. Like I'm not worried about Mike Elko being a defense coordinator who can't bring in like a good coach. Like I really like Kevin Johns. Like he was a very solid offensive coach. Um, so that's my favorite hire when we're adjusting for like quality of school i do think that it, it, it's impossible not to like the joey mcguire hire because he did break in zach kitley and zach kitley is the um one of the sharpest offensive minds. hold on before you before you yes. switch over here to, to texas tech moxley yes. is there a single name at duke that we should be considering for i mean there's no debbie players there but for campus to canton is there a i mean that's what matters yes. is there a single player that we should care about at duke uh, I think there's two. Um, one is Jordan Waters. He's the running back that I think is going to assume the Mateo Durant role. He was RB2 last season. He was actually efficient in uh, a couple spot, spots where he, who he did come in and, and replace Durant. And the other one is Jalen Calhoun, who's the wide receiver one there. They had uh, Jake Bobo move on to UCLA. And so I think Jalen Calhoun is kind of interesting. Um Eli Pankle is a wide receiver too. I don't think he has any value, but I like I like Jalen Calhoun and I like Jordan Waters. I think they're both like priority waiver guys, potentially who can deliver CFF production for you this season. All right, write them down. Write them down. I worry. I worry about volume for Calhoun a lot, actually. Well, Riley I, Leonard is not a no pass heavy quarterback, but I mean, what I like about Kevin Johns was that he at Baylor, like he had a 25% or a 50% neutral game pass script or, or a neutral game script pass rate, which was 25th in the country. Like he's willing to throw the ball. And so I like, I I'm going to accept that. Like Kevin Johns may want to pass it more. And I don't know that rally Leonard's going to be the guy. It could be Jordan Moore who came in last season and played a little bit. So I, I kind of am a little bit interested in Jalen Calhoun and I'm not drafting him in C2C, but he's definitely a guy that I'm keeping an eye on on waivers. I, I don't want to stay here too long, but there was one G5 coach that I thought that we should highlight, and that's Jay Norvell going from Nevada to Colorado State. Colorado State has low-key had some very good offensive talent um, the past couple of years. Michael Gallup, Warren Jackson, Dante Wright is there now, Trey McBride. I mean, this is a, a team that has produced players that are either NFL caliber or, you know, borderline NFL caliber caliber Clay Millen who Austin you have been high on is transferring to Colorado State is it we and this is a uh, I mean he ran a a spread wide open system with uh with my boy Carson Strong there's always like a team that you okay we need to pay attention and get value there Clay Millen's there Torrey Horton's there is that could it be Colorado State, Austin, the team that we should be paying attention to to get some value in the 30th round of a campus to Canton startup in the form of Clay Millen, Tory Horton? Dante Wright's going to go earlier than that. But are, are these players that you're gravitating towards as a result of Norvell going to Colorado State? Yeah, I think you're going to have to take them earlier than the 30th round if you're in a savvy league at all. Um, I, I just think it's it's one of those just like obvious. Duh. Kind of yeah. deep shots where it's like, you know, by now everybody right. knows that that Norvell was at Nevada and he he worked with Carson Strong and he kind of got him from point A to point B. And you look at Clay Millen, who is, in my opinion, equally as talented from like a physical standpoint. You know, I, I'm not going to harp on can he develop into the same kind of quarterback that Carson Strong was in college. I, I think that's a big ask, but he's the kind of guy where, you know, Norvell, his offense is basically either hit quick hitter or 40 yards downfield. And I think that's exactly the kind of quarterback that Clay Millen is. So I like I I, I think you know this is one of those early in the off season their sleepers by May everyone's aware of this and they're no longer really going to be sleepers. So if you're drafting now, enjoy whatever rate you're going to get them at because that that will not be the case in a few months. Big wide receiver guy in the comments mentioning Dante Wright. I mean, I think everybody in the community was a big fan of Dante Wright after his first two seasons. I mean, if you like 
of somebody like Sky Moore, you would like Dante Wright. This is why landing spot matters because Steve Adazio was like just a like a terrible um, uh, hire for a player like Wright who can stretch the field and he can do a lot of versatile things. So uh, I'm glad that we have that we have Jay Norvell there now to utilize him, but he could he could absolutely be a Sky Moore type player and be drafted on day two uh, come 2023. I mean, I think that's true. Chris Marks. Yeah. So uh, Wright and Tory Horton are going within like 30 spots of our ADP currently. Um, I think one has a lot higher NFL upside and I think that's right. I think one has a better chance maybe to be a CFF producer. And I think that's Horton, but a guy not going anywhere in our ADP is Melquan Stovall who also transferred. And I think that he's going to be the wide receiver. Wow. Like, I, I think he's going to be in three wide receiver sets. And if you really mm-hmm. want to take a shot late in this offense and assume that they bring the same kind of efficiency and productivity from Nevada that they brought, that that's going to be at Colorado state, then Moquan Stovall, I think is a guy to take a shot on. I mean, he had 650 yards in last season at Nevada. I think he could be productive. I, I'm not totally sold on Dante Wright as a uh, fantasy producer this season. I think that there's going to be competition from Horton more than I think people lead lead it to. Like, they See, think. I, I think the opposite. Tory Horton has a very goofy uh, playing style, like very so awkward, very unorthodox. It would not shock me at all if Wright takes that job from him. If if well, I think it's going to be right, right as well. I just think Horton's going to eat into it maybe more. Uh, it, it's interesting because I like the problem with Wright is I'm not sure if he's a pure downfield guy. Like that offense kind of calls for. Like I think he can win deep. At one point, Dante Wright was like a top 15 Debbie wide receiver for me. Like after his true freshman yeah. year where he smashed, I was like, okay, the traits are there. Like there, there are some flashes there. And obviously that offense as a whole has just been kind of disappointing. I mean, it's been the Trey McBride show and that's about it. Because I think that's all they could support. He has the tools, but I'm not sure if he can consistently like Romeo Dubs did, who or you know some of these guys who were kind of Carson Strong's best friend over the past couple of years. Can he fill that same role, or is he a little almost too versatile? Like, is he Curtis Samuel? Does Curtis Samuel excel in this type of offense? I'm not sure he really does. Dante Wright kind of feels like he's in that mold, so it is a little concerning. But Horton's just like I, I'm not. I, I liked Horton after freshman year. I'm not sold on Horton after this year. Just this tall, lanky, kind of flailing goober out there. 2019, six foot six Warren Jackson, five foot what nine Dante Wright, one of the best wide receiver combos in the country. One of the best wide receiver combos in the country. All right, let's move on here. I am handling housekeeping, at least the start of it uh, today. Ladies and gentlemen, the Freshman and Supplemental Draft Guide is on its way. We are putting the finishing touches uh, on it for release. And if you are a yearly subscriber to campus2can.com, that's $29.99 for the year or uh, $2.99 a month, then you get it for free. You need to be subscribing to the website. Campus to Canton as a format, not just the website, is growing. Trust me. We are, I guess we're the, we're the, you know, the lobbyists, I guess, for the format and people are reaching out to us. It is absolutely growing. If you aren't playing in a campus to Canton league this year, you will be very, very soon. Why not start this year? $29.99 for the year. And you get the supplemental draft guide for free, which was essentially written by Austin. I mean, the entire thing essentially written by Austin. Uh, Austin, was there a player that you fell in love with during this um, labor of love. 22nd piece here before I say that. Guys, even if you are not into the Campus to Canton format, you hear us talk about it on the show, you think that's daunting, I don't want to do it. That's okay. Guys, this offseason already, it is February 23rd, 2022. We are 46 or something days into the offseason. We have already built an entire CFF team. So if you play College Fantasy, we have ton of stuff coming at you for that if you just like Debbie it's not quite campus to Canton you just want a couple players you don't have to worry about watching all the college games every week guess what guys we just we just got a whole Debbie team too that's pumping out Debbie content so don't think that I don't play campus to Canton I don't need to go check any of this stuff out because we are probably if you're a college football fan at all in any sort of context we probably have something that you are looking for 
on to the player that I fell in love with, a player that I think every time I watch him, I want to bump him up further in my rankings. And that's to the point now where I don't know that I can anymore. It's Antonio Williams. It's a wide receiver who's going to Clemson. I'm sorry, Chris. Were you going to talk about Antonio Williams? No, I was going to talk about – I thought you were going to talk about uh, G- the Gente gang. Oh, I do like Ashton Gente. I've talked to him on a bunch of shows. Antonio Williams, freshman wide receiver, going to Clemson. If you listen to kind of the Debbie community at large, I think there's been a big focus on Adam Randall, the other big-name freshman wide receiver that's going to Clemson. He's a bigger kid. He kind of fits that what you think of as the typical Clemson archetype there. He's 6'3", 215, big, fluid kid. Uh, Just, you know, think of the wide receivers that have been really good at Clemson in recent times. The the T Higgins is the Justin Ross is like all these kids. They're, they're kind of built like this guy. Antonio Williams is very much different than the mold that's been there. He's six foot one eighty. He is one of the fastest kids in the class. The composite 24 seven composite does have him higher than, than Adam Randall. And I do as well. Um, he, he's an, he's just a, a crazy good athlete in his own right. One of the, like I said, one of the fastest kids in the class, he has, He's very refined for a high school kid, though. Like, he can run routes. He's got really nice hands. He went to the All-American Bowl, and by all accounts, just was roasting corners all week at at practice. And the thing that I like about him the most is that he gives something, like I said, at Clemson that is different than what they have there. Like, I don't know that Adam Randall plays at all this year because they have Bo Collins. They have Dakari Collins. They have um, uh, uh, Joe Ngata. They have like they have all these guys that are basically all the same thing. And Antonio Williams is kind of a fresh Jags, of fresh air. You have some Jags. Yeah, yeah you do have some Jags. Well, Bo Collins. I I think I like Bo Collins. Um, so like I, I just I'm falling more and more in love with this kid. He was like my wide receiver eleven or twelve to start off. I think he's like up to wide receiver eight now. I don't know how many more spots I can bump him, but I'm telling you, in drafts this year, I am going to walk out with just a shit ton of Antonio Williams. And I think by year two, that's going to just look not to pat myself on the back. I think it's going to look genius. By that time. Where do you, and you're, you're taking a player, Austin, that you're, that you're going to be able to get at value. Um, some players that I like that you're not going to be able to get the, the same value is one is Ty Simpson, the quarterback going to uh, Alabama. If you liked, you know, the kind of Johnny Manziel, Zach Wilson scrambler make a play happen, that's what Ty Simpson in. And I, I love Jalen Milrow, who's there. Um, but Ty Simpson is just really, really fun. He reminds me a little bit of what I saw from uh, Hudson Card two years ago, I guess, now. Um, so Ty Simpson is one that I love. I didn't I didn't write his profile. But the other one is Amarian Hampton. Amarian Hampton, the Gatorade National Player of the Year for, I think, the state of North Carolina. Yes, the state of North Carolina. Yeah, he's not the Austin's national player of the year. The, the, I, said, I didn't say the national player. Lead. This The Gatorade player of the year for the state of North Carolina. He yes, ran for over like 2,500. Yes. Yeah, for, for, he ran for over like 2,500 yards or so. He is a Javante Williams-esque type runner, 200 and probably 25 pounds. Very slow. That was one thing that we didn't we do not have a good mile per hour time on him. But I just like the way he's built. I like the way he runs. I like runners who run the ball that way. Excuse me. So he is one, but that backfield at North Carolina is kind of loaded with guys that look like that, um, but still a guy that I'm paying attention to. And I think I mentioned Jordan James on other shows. I really like Jordan James who, who spurned Georgia to go to Oregon. Um, Jordan James is a very similar style of, of runner to similar ish to a Marion Hampton. Uh, But then lastly, the wide receiver, uh, Jordan Hudson, who's going to TCU, just one of the most productive um, wide receivers in high school. And I, I could have this wrong, Um, but RA analytics on Twitter, which does some data based um, uh, uh, physical analysis of players. I think that they have Jordan Hudson as the number one receiver in the class based on athleticism and their high school production. Do they? I, they have I, DJ. They have DJ Allen's really, really have, high too. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's, well, check me up. I, I know I have that bookmark. I could be wrong. on. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, those are a, a couple of the guys that I like. Austin, what about a player that you now despise? Well, Chris, did oh, you want ahead. to say you oh, yeah, add yeah. something there for real quick? Good. Yeah, Matt, um, Matt confirmed. It's DJ Allen. They have number one, another TCU wide receiver. There you go. No, I was 
I was going to add um, that I am not an Amari and Hampton fan. I I think it's George. It's the George Petaway show there. Um, but I actually want to give a shout out to. So I I was not part of the guy writing process. I I come much later into the rookie process than a lot of other folks camp skin. But what, as I started to dive in, Austin G or Ashton G and T. Did I pronounce his last name right, Austin? You did now. I've I've right. said it twelve different ways over the past month and a half. Yeah. Gianti. Gianti. Yeah. That is my dude. Mm, my I think for this cycle. He's a Boise State commit. And he is like half wide receiver, half running back. Over a hundred receptions the last two years in high school. This dude is a monster receiver, has adequate size for the running back position. He's a guy that I think is going to be the next, possibly the next G5 great running back. Like he has so many great skills. I am a huge fan of GNT. And I know Austin wrote up his profile that you can check out in the guide. This dude can play. This dude is awesome. That is my favorite freshman. Um, and I read Austin's write up and he, he he's awesome. Ashton Gianti played three years of high school football, I believe, in Texas at a very high level there and caught 96 passes as a running back, guys. As a running back, that's more than a decent portion of these wide receivers I'll catch in high school. And this dude, a freaking running back, caught 96 passes. That's all you need to know about this kid. He did not play football until his sophomore year of high school. Like, did not play the sport of football at all. I think think he's from he might be from Italy or like he he's from, he's like a weird upbringing where he just like didn't play football at all. Felix is muted. He doesn't know. Yeah, Felix is, Felix Don't tell him. Talking. Oh, he just gave us a whole 20 second. Dive I said, there. I said, and he's going to Boise state. Boise state always has these running backs from other countries. Um, he's a late uh, riser. Jay Ajay sure. from London. And uh, the other one who played in the, the game against, Oklahoma, I think, was was also international. All right. Austin, what about somebody you hate or despise now that you've written them up? Um, so this is not a player. I don't believe I wrote him up. I would have to double check because, like Felix said, I, I wrote all the guide. No, I didn't write all the guide. Everybody did an amazing job on this guide. I will, I will refuse to take um, any more than one-eighth credit or whatever. Um Caden Saunders is a guy that I have really fallen out of love with here during the process. A kid that's going to Penn State. I was pretty high on him. I think he was like my wide receiver five after I watched his junior stuff. And then I always do a rewatch. Like I'll watch, try to watch all these kids after their junior year. And then I'll try to watch all of them after their senior year. Plus, you know, the net will catch the guys that I didn't get initially because I want to see the growth and I want to kind of watch it twice. So like I have an opinion and then I get to watch them again and see if it changes or not. So I think that's kind of how the process works for me. Caden Saunders is a small wide receiver. He's listed at 5'10", 170. I don't know that he's actually that big. He's from Ohio. He's going to Penn state here. He's kind of the jewel of their class. I have a really hard time projecting a kid that literally could only play the slot in high school to play the perimeter in college. Like, I think if you're limited to slot in high school, that does not bode well for your projection to the next level. He's tiny. And the thing that I think ties into that point is he is not physical at all. He is one of the least physical wide receivers that I watched at all this year. And you don't need to be a guy that's bodying guys that's, that's, you know, out muscling that's bullying, but he looks like he's afraid to touch defenders. He just is not, game for that so i don't think he can play on the boundary at all i think he's limited to the slot that means he probably doesn't play it all year one because parker washington is there for penn state maybe he's a kick returner guy there for them like i just don't see any sort of high-end future there for him and he's being drafted i think in our adp as a top 36 guy in freshman drafts that's really expensive for a guy that just quite honestly i struggle to see a real role for him in college he was like i said he was a wide receiver five i think he's like down to like my wide receiver 15 or 16 now I just have completely fallen out of love with him. I can guarantee you I will draft zero Caden Saunders this offseason. Zero. I mean, for what it's worth, Derek Williams, KJ Hamler, uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, I mean, they've had success with similarly sized players. Not Um, afraid of contact, though, and that's the thing. He just doesn't like 
contact really at all. Does any, do you guys remember Derek Williams? You know, you know who drafted Derek Williams? The freaking Lions. The freaking Lions. Uh, tweet at me at Sharp Review if you remember Derek Williams at Penn State wearing number two back in like 2000. What? Wide receiver? Three, two. Yeah, was wide he, receiver. 2003. Was he the, what, did he play quarterback there and then transition? No, that's Michael receiver? Robinson. That's Michael Damn. Robinson who played okay. played quarterback, wide receiver, and running back. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think the, the guy that I there are a couple. There's one guy that made it into the into the guy. That's Tevin White. I don't think Tevin White is much of an athlete at all. He's a running back going to Arizona State. Um, good hands, but I just don't think that he's has any juice. The other one is AJ Johnson, who I don't think AJ Johnson actually made it into the guide. Did he, Austin? Because he hasn't declared. Um, so we didn't anywhere. put him in the guide for multiple reasons, but including he hasn't picked yeah. a school. He got kicked out of his last yeah. high school. There's what? really <laughs> awful rumors about him as a person. Um, <laughs> no, we could we could not we could not in good conscience recommend anybody draft this kid in any sort of format ever. Well, AJ Johnson is a player who played with Arch Manning at. Uh, I forgot, I forgot the name of Arch Manning's school there. Is it or Newman or is it? Yeah, Newman, yeah, right. I was going to sort of Bishop Gorman, but that's the school in uh, in Las Vegas. Um, any, anyway, uh, but AJ Johnson was was Arch Manning's number one wide receiver for a year, I believe, in their sophomore years, and had a really good season, but was somewhat of a lumberer. And then, as Austin said, there are rumors so circulating about him, and he hasn't declared his past National Signing Day, so. Um, the last I saw, he was warm on FIU, I believe. And I think he's a four-star prospect. So, um, yeah, But we're never going to hear from him. Actually. Yeah, we're, we're never going to hear from him again. So that's that's a guy that, that I dislike. All right. <clears throat> I don't know how we – oh, uh, the other housekeeping stuff. That was all housekeeping. YouTube page. Go subscribe. Rate and reviews for this website, which occasionally you will find on the Campus to Camp feed, and occasionally you'll just find it here. Um, but give a rate and review there at Campus to Camp or here on Debbie Date. Five-star rate and review. And then the, the website. Get in the Discord. We do this all year long because we have to get ready for our supplemental drafts. We have to get ready, uh, you know, to do our trades and whatnot. Campus to Canton as a format is all year round. All right, let's move on to – we picked that spring season is about to start, Austin and Chris. And I was just thinking about last year, where we were at this time last year, at least with – um, at, at the completion of the spring with, with spring games complete and just think about where we were, where we were, I want to throw some of these items that I remember from last year. And, and, you know, you guys can just riff on them. Let's start at Oklahoma. Eric Gray transfers from Tennessee to Oklahoma. He's lining up all over the place in the spring, in the spring game. Catches the first pass of the game lined from Spencer Rattler, lined up in the slot, was kind of utilized all over the place out there uh, at OU. And then nothing. And then nothing. Really underutilized uh, this year uh, through the season at Oklahoma. I mean, where were you at, Austin, on Eric Gray at the conclusion of the spring game last year? Is there a worse feeling in all – like I think, you know, if you if you play any sort of Debbie or any of this stuff, you kind of know what I'm about to refer to here, where you hedge on a guy a little bit because the buzz starts building and you're like – like I, I didn't really like Eric Gray as a player, but I said, well, at least I think he's probably going to do really well in that offense. And I, I took him from a guy that was like RB20-ish for me, and I bumped him up to a spot like RB10, RB9. I don't know exactly where I had him. Might have even been a little bit higher than that. I honestly don't remember. And then you were right the first time, and you're like, shit, I got caught up in the hype. Eric Gray is definitely a guy where I said, you know, I don't know if there's actually an NFL future here, but I think he's just going to crush it at Oklahoma, and he did not do that. So I – Got suckered into that one for sure. That's probably one of the few storylines this offseason that I kind of started buying into, and I definitely regret doing it because that he did not fit what that offense wanted at all for whatever reason. Felix is muted. Yeah, I, I mean, the other player in that in that uh, Oklahoma spring game was Mario Williams. 
And they also utilized him all over the place. They threw it to him deep several times. He had to catch. They also utilized him on a reverse. I mean, you could just tell that he was going to be a part of that offense. Now he was. He was a part of that offense for Lincoln Riley, but used almost like a Rondale Moore type around the line of scrimmage type guy, the outlet on some of these RPOs. Not utilized deep like I think that he should. I mean, he was noted um, to be one of the fastest players, if not the fastest player in camp, was not utilized as a deep threat the same way he was in the spring game. And so that's, I was like, this is one of my favorite players. He's always been very high in my rankings. He started off as, you know, a top nine-ish wide receiver or something like that for me. But Do you um, think, so I actually want to, touch on that real quick do you think that part of that is the role that Caleb Williams played because he is a very different quarterback than Spencer Rattler and it was like I don't think Lincoln Riley did a good job of scheming him up but he definitely schemed him up differently and I wonder if Mario Williams working closer line of scrimmage was a part of that and I, I don't have an answer I'm literally just asking because I don't know they so I, to be honest with you, I don't think that Caleb Williams is a different quarterback than Spencer Rattler. Um, after watching all of the snaps this year, it's just that Caleb Williams is more mobile and can use his legs. But Caleb Williams is just as aggressive, if not more so, than uh, Spencer Rattler with, with throwing the ball, throwing the ball deep. Um, that being said, no, you you are you're right. But they they used Mike Woods and Marvin Mims deep and they used Mario Williams around the line of scrimmage. When I see that having been in the locker room, I think that's a result of coaching because sometimes whether you go deep or break it off is based on the coverage. Like if you're facing cover two or cover three, your route could change. And they may have had Mario Williams just do the things that required the least amount of thinking. I don't know that that for that to be the case, I'm speculating on that, but I'm like, why didn't this guy have a more diverse route tree? That's one thing that I could think of. It's an interesting question because I think, you know, Eric Gray started off the year. He got some touches. You know, first four games of the season, he had nine carries, nine carries, 15 carries, 12 carries. They weren't using him in the receiving game enough, but he was at least getting touches. Like he was involved in the game plan in some sort of way. Kansas State was the uh, so. Fifth game of the season, he had four carries, so he did drop off. Caleb Williams came in that next game against Texas when they made the massive comeback, and Caleb Williams kind of pushed Spencer Rattler off the field. Starting at Texas, Eric Ray's touches, six carries, six carries, one carry, two carry, one carries, four carries, one carry. So at first I thought, like, that's kind of – I think that's not accurate. And then I went to look at the game log, and I'm like, well, maybe there is something to they just didn't – like maybe he's not a great pass blocker. They didn't want to give you know somebody that's a that, that kind of sucks at that with a, a freshman quarterback. I don't know what the reasoning is, but I think there might be something to that hypothesis. Either way, let's move on here to to a school in your neck of the woods, Chris Moxley. Those Clemson Tigers. Um, we saw DJU's season last year but did we start making excuses for him in the spring where i mean we talked about this uh chatting just a little bit earlier today i don't remember dju's performance in the spring game but you do yeah people were really underwhelmed with what he was doing and they just wrote it off to it bring a spring game and not thinking anything of it but when you go back and kind of look like Lincoln Riley was not talking about DJU like he or not Lincoln Riley. Dabo Sweeney was not talking about DJU. He was not complimentary. Like there was, there were breadcrumbs there that you could infer that there might be problems heading into the season, and it, it culminated kind of in the spring game when he just he wasn't sharp. He was fine. Was the bottom line, and when you're fine, it begs a question of like, how good are you really considering the expectations that we had for DJU? And so I think that looking back now with full view of hindsight, like the news out of spring was re- pretty damning based on what we saw. And it's an example of maybe just like pay attention to the nuggets that you don't hear. Like you don't hear Dabo Sweeney talking about it. The same way you heard Nick Saban talking about Bryce Young. 
Like there's a big difference going back and, and, and doing the coach speak. And so it's just maybe what you don't hear that's important um, about like a player that's so integral to the offense. There's like a fine balance there because you don't want to re- overreact to the news, but man, there were some things that we could have saw coming from um, the spring last year. I mean, DJU, I mean, for a lot of us, he was the number one quarterback. I mean, he just shouldn't have been after the, after the spring. Um, the the thing I remember about that Clemson spring game is a Joe, a Joe going off in like the second half and me just not being impressed with this six foot four lumbering wide receiver. Let's move on here to Texas. Uh, Austin Ace, Texas. There are a couple of things that were playing out there. One, the quarterback competition between Hudson card and Casey Thompson. And then two, that Texas offensive line was terrible. Now, I think I've cited this before. I believe that that offensive line ranks like 75th or so, like somewhere around where Troy ranked as in pass blocking, according to PFF. I know it was a maybe it was Duke. I know that there were like there was like Duke and there was like a T school uh, right around Texas. But but two two things that came out of the spring last year were the fact that that quarterback job was not settled. And the fact that the offensive line was very, very shaky. Did anybody win that discussion? No. Like when yours? Wait, whoa! Yeah. I won the discussion. Oh, you mean the? Oh, you mean my argument with Colin? Like you were like Casey Thompson's going to get that job, and I was like, yeah, okay, I think he did after like five games, and he was still not very good. Like they were clearly Sark wants to push the ball, like not uber aggressively but he wants to push the ball and he just clearly like neither quarterback that was there could do that at all in any sort of capacity so which which is what happened like i I don't know why this would happen like defenses were okay with giving them things in the first half and then they just adjusted in the second half all season which is why texas would jump out to like a 10 point lead and then get outscored by three touchdowns in the second half i don't know exactly what was going on in the game plan the teams (laughs) didn't know that ahead of time but I think a lot of it was because teams were like, they cannot consistently push the ball down the field. Casey Thompson can't do it. Hudson Card can't do it. Keep everything in front of you and, and make them beat you deep. They couldn't do it. So, yeah, I don't think anybody actually won that argument. And I am really excited because I think Quinn Ewers can and will push the ball downfield pretty efficiently. Like, I think Justin, or I think he's going to, like, Justin Herbert kind of feels like what he's going to be able to do. Like, where Justin Herbert was just, like, disgustingly efficient downfield. That's what Quinn Ewers feels like he's going to do for the next two years at Texas to me. Like just be disgustingly efficient downfield. I, I need to go watch more Quinn Ewers because you are really excited about him. And even if, hypothetically, if Quinn Ewers does not win the job and it somehow goes to Malik Murphy, Malik Murphy has the same kind of arm talent where he can push the ball downfield. So um, Steve Sarkeesian has two players there at OU who can – who can sling it, who can absolutely Malik Murphy can throw the football through a, a a 10 inch wall of concrete. Like just, he's got a fucking bazooka and that's putting it lightly. Yes. You're welcome. Um, Chris Moxley, Alabama. It was interesting watching Alabama spring. We actually call me, you and Matt actually did a watch party for, for um, the spring game. Roydale Williams, Jason McClellan, Heavily involved in the offense. Ajay Hall, two big uh, downfield contested catches in that game. No JoJo Earl. Bryce Young uh, had a really crucial turnover in that in that spring game. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley lined up all over the place, really off the ball, moving as a tight end. Where were you at on some of these Alabama players after the spring game last season? I was excited for a Jai Hall. Um, I've always been like a Billingsley skeptic because that dude is tiny. I'm apparently a weightist. Like I, like I hate all these players who are incredibly tiny. Um, but he's too small to be a tight end at the NFL level, and he obviously doesn't work hard enough to stay at Alabama. So there's questions about how the work work ethic. So I didn't like him coming in anyway. But I really think Jace McClellan could have carved out like a Josh Jacobs esque role to like a Brian Robinson uh, demon Harris role. Like I really thought that was the path that Jason McClellan was going to go down. 
if he had stayed healthy and not torn his ACL. So I think Jason McCollin is a quality running back. And so I was excited the way that he was used in the spring game. And I, that, that, like, that was a huge positive for me. And I think Roydell Williams became that Brian Robinson replacement. If Robinson was going to go down, I bet we would have seen like a big season of Roydell Williams. Um, and then a Jai Hall, like I liked what I saw and I, I really did, but the, like, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been reported, but the character concerns permeated from his high school career all the way through till today. Like today he tweeted, I hate a Jai Hall. Like, man, just, just like relax a little bit. So I'm surprised he hasn't transferred out to be honest. I just don't think that he's a guy who I want to be investing in long term. Um, despite a really impressive spring game. And I was, I, I was happy to see that he did it, but with Alabama, I think I'm going to take a step back and say they just want to see guys that they're questioning get on the field more. Right? Of all of of, of all of the games that we have on this list, I think we learned the least from the Alabama spring game. Jason Clayton and Roydell Williams did not play a big role in their offense this season. Jacory did Jacory Brook was Jacory Brooks even on the field? All all of the freshmen except for Ajayi Hall were injured, and uh, yeah. JoJo Earl wasn't there. So, like Christian JoJo Lee Earl wasn't there; Jacory he was still Brooks playing. Were hurt. Yeah, and then Jaleel Billingsley, complete smokescreen the way he was used. So uh, no Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams still at Ohio State at the time of the spring game uh, last year. And you see uh, Nick Saban kind of correct that mistake earlier this year going out and getting Jermaine, going out and getting Jermaine Burton. So um, I actually, like, I, I touched on it a little bit, like, a couple minutes ago, but I wonder if Alabama is one of those teams that have the luxury of basically like testing out players they have questions about in their spring game. And I think Ohio, like a team like Ohio State, might be the same way. Where you know we have questions about Dillian Billings, so we have questions about Jai Hall. Let's get them on the field and get them involved and see what they can do in like a um, like a mock game situation because they have the luxury to do that. And I that is complete speculation on my end, but. It sure would make sense to see it from like a higher level school if they really wanted to do that. Because I think what a Jai Hall didn't do for the majority of the season is pretty telling. So speaking of having questions about guys, I, I want to ask you guys something because we were, we were talking about this in the Discord this week at C2C, and it's something that's kind of perplexed me about Saban as a whole and kind of his treatment of the running back position over the past two years, probably. Jace McClellan is 5'11", 212. He has bell cow size. He was the best athlete spark-wise in his entire class at the running back position. They've been insistent on using him in this receiving role that I don't think is his best role. Like, I think his best role is a three-down guy. I know you don't necessarily get that guy at Bama, you know, Najee kind of being the exception, but are we missing something with Jace McClellan or are they just kind of not using him correctly? Like he's not a third down guy, is he? I don't think we know yet. Right. I mean, 2020 his his, yeah, he hasn't played 2020, his freshman season, 2021 um, barely plays before he's injured. Not going to play this year because he's going to sit behind Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he is a good athlete. So that's kind of the point though. He's going to sit behind Jameer Gibbs. I think he's a better player than Roydell Williams, who's the presumptive, or Trey oh, Sanders, yeah. who are the presumptive, you know, thumper back. Can sure, he right. not play that role? Like, are we just, like, blind to something here? I, that might have been the big takeaway from the Alabama game because yeah. Roydell Williams was running with the two, the two, so to speak, and Jameer Gibbs was running with the – Jason McClellan with the, with the threes or uh, yeah. Jason McClellan. Jason McClellan was, was running with the, with the threes. And I think we just assume that, okay, that that's just, you know, they're doing that to split the work, but, but when it comes to it, Jason McClellan will be the one getting the, the, the share of the touches, but he, but in, in, in 2020, wasn't he the second leading rusher after Najee? I mean, I feel like he, no, as Brian a freshman, Robinson had to have been Brian Robinson. Okay. But Jason McClellan had um, like yeah, multiple huge runs. The one against Kentucky that was like ni- maybe ninety yards or something. It was yeah, a huge run against Missouri Kentucky. I don't remember or something stupid. Yeah, because yeah. he had like yeah. ten touches. But I mean, 
I don't think we haven't seen enough to draw like anything definitive because he only has his freshman season on tape. And I think he only had like 10 or 15 carries and he, he has adequate size, right? He, he is two twelve on the Alabama website right now. I just don't know if they need him in that role. Like, I just wonder if they think that he'd be more valuable in a receiving role, like a Josh Jacobs. Like I, like I really think that's a really legit parallel that to use him in a Jacobs role versus because they know he wouldn't be as effective in maybe not as effective, but they thought that he'd be more valuable limited touches in like a receiving role. And so I just wonder if that's how they plan to use him this year before he went down with injury. Cause that would make, that would make sense. Like he was definitely the most dynamic running back. So he had 50 touches in four games. Like it wasn't like he was doing nothing. Yeah. He, all those were garbage time though, to be fair. Chris Moxley, somebody giving you a fourth round supplemental draft pick. You taking that for Jason McClellan right now? No way. I I I will. Like I don't even like Jason McClellan that much. Like I I'm definitely down on him compared to where I was like a year ago. Obviously, like no surprise. But I still think that he is a good player. Like I like I guess I believe in his talent profile more than I. I do when guys are going in the fourth round of supplemental drafts. Like those are like four ish star guys. And like, I'm not that impressed with that profile there. So I'm just going to, I'm going to hold McClellan. I would probably move him for like a second round supplemental, but I'm not sure I'm getting that. Antonio so, Williams oh, oh. is going in the fourth round. Just want to throw that out there. Oh. Austin, let me, th- let me so throw some of these to you. Um, Jace McClellan or Trevante citizen. I haven't mixed the freshman with my rankings yet, so I can't even reference that. Uh, I'm going to take McClellan narrowly. Really? So I don't need very close. I would take Citizen. Pretty. I would take Citizen also. Um, So I guess I mean Brant Branson Robinson then or or I would take McClellan. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it wouldn't be outrageous that McClellan ends up being the better player, but Branson Robinson has so much more value right now that I would take Branson Robinson. Okay. All right. Makes I think I'm, I'm buying Jace McClellan. Like, I might not be dra- like. I think if you're doing a startup draft, there is a gap between what he's going at in startups, according to our ADP, and what I think you could trade for him. Because I think the Jameer, like the Jameer Gibbs thing, like if you had Jace McClellan, you were in a C two C league, you were probably counting on him being a starting running back for you next year on your campus roster. And I think the there is now a disappointment. I think you can get him relatively cheap compared to a startup draft. So I, I'm probably going to try to make some trades for him this offseason, but I think his ADP still puts him in the third round, and I probably would not quite take him at a third-round yeah. value. So I think this is just an instance of the, the ADP not necessarily matching established value in the league. What what what, sub, what round supplemental pick are you trading for him? I'll be honest. Like, I know we were talking about supplemental picks, and I argued that supplemental picks are worth a lot. But I think after, like, the second round, I think it's really just kind of, you know, a crapshoot. So if you gave me anything after, like, the 2-6, like, that would be an auto-accept. And anything else, I'd kind of hopefully want to see what was on the board. Because, like, I think those early picks are undervalued, but then the ones after that are, like, very overvalued. So, I like, I... I, like I'm probably I in the exact yeah I'm probably yeah. in the exact same boat you are. With, that feels with right to me. Picks. Yeah. One last note from last year's spring that I want to bring up: Xavier Worthy still at the University of Michigan in April uh, before leaving and ending up at Texas. You gotta love college football. You gotta love college football. Xavier Worthy, uh, the very least, the top what seven-ish wide receiver for all of us. Now playing with Steve Sarkeesian. Now playing with uh, Bijan Robinson. Now playing with Quinn Ewers is going to be a, the focus of that offense. That could up, put up what four thousand yards passing this year, maybe. All Quinn right. Ewers? Wait, who's who's going to put up four thousand yards? Texas, Texas, Texas. Quinn Texas, Ewers Texas, is going to pass for forty-five hundred yards this year. I'm telling you guys. Quinn Ewers is going to absolutely smash this year. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me, man. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. That is going to be our show for tonight. Make sure you check out the all of the content around the Campus to Canton family, including the Campus to Canton po- podcast feed, where you can find this podcast, Canton Bound Campus Life Fantasy Roundtable. And there's going to be a new 
a new podcast shortly, I believe. A new podcast. Listen, we're we're just pumping out this stuff. We're just pumping out this stuff. I don't know. Just go subscribe to the uh, Campus to Camp podcast feed and leave a rate and review. Leave a rate and review. We're growing our presence. All right. All right. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. For Chris Moxley and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.